Wow, welcome to Podcast 21. In this episode, we listen to Leslie Crawford from Monaghan Town talk about why he took up running marathons at the age of 51. I last bumped into Leslie on course in Belfast where he was running his 200th marathon. I felt humbled to be in his presence. He's an extremely generous person and it was good to learn how running has shaped the person we know today. Can't do a podcast with a Monaghan legend without giving a shout out to the Monaghan Phoenix Marathon Festival, which is on the 29th of September. It's on for three days with a choice of three back-to-back marathons, um, a double event or a single marathon. And this year I believe they've included a 10k mini marathon and I think there's a possibility of a half marathon event also. We're giving away one free entry on the Inspirational Runners page, but failing that you can register through active.com or just go on to Google and Google Monaghan Phoenix Marathon Festival registration. Thanks again to everyone who's downloaded the Podbean app and followed the podcast. We just went past 3,000 downloads, so really appreciate your support, and I hope you're enjoying the journey as much as I am. So, Leslie, thanks very much for inviting me into your house. Um, before we start, I just want to congratulate you on your 200th marathon. Um, I met you in Belfast. You did. met you a couple of times on course, um, and it was really great for me to actually... Because you might think of it this way, but when I was running the marathon, I knew Leslie Crawford was running his 200th marathon. And as I came up behind you in this infamous shirt that you now wear, <laughs> that everybody knows around the country, um, I thought I had to come over and shake your hand. And afterwards, I thought about that. And I thought, like, he's been on such a great journey. And I actually just became part of that journey by just having that interaction with him on his 200th marathon. So I'm interested to hear about that actual day and what it's like to run your 200th marathon. So the evening before that race, if you can think back to the evening before the race, like did you get much sleep? It wasn't too bad, Robbie, to be honest with you. I, the evening before, I sort of half uh, got things into place. Like we went over to Lemons there and we got balloons and we got the Monaghan flag. Uh, We've brought that on tour there for a few times as well, probably making putting Monaghan on the map as well <laughs> indirectly, but I it just seemed to gather a wee life of its own and Anne Marie there, Anne Marie McCleary, she was part of the, the day celebration as well. And Anne Marie, as you know, done that trip from Dublin to Belfast yeah. and it was an epic, an epic journey and I was honoured to be in her company and she was honoured to be in my company. You must br- you must breed inspirational runners in Monaghan. Uh, <laughs> I don't know but it is, it's all over the country, it's not alone Monaghan Robbie, it's all over the mm-hmm. country whenever you're out and about and like that day in Belfast when you saw all those people and you don't see the runners, you're out running roads and you're running there on your own quite a lot maybe training and you never see these runners but yet on a day the likes of Belfast there they all are and them all prime to the last where are they you know where are they where did they come out of yet they're there and then when the race is all over they disappear and as if there was nothing there before you know onto the next one it's magical mate isn't it absolutely and um you know everybody's and that's why I love that race was amazing for me because I wasn't in great form, which was a good thing, because I spent the race just interacting with people. And it's a magical thing, because everybody is going through their weeks of training, 
and then here we are all together on course just going through that um, experience of the marathon so your 200th marathon I can only imagine what's that like you know that, that morning because it's quite a big um, aims thing going on as well wasn't there with the, it was they had their own uh, big day as well which they do every year and uh, that was a separate issue as well and lots of people had their own different different journeys yeah. that particular day and it was great just to be a part of it I never really thought that much about uh, 200 marathons to be honest with you <laughs> until it was done and all these people congratulating me wow it was well done congratulations I just paused for a minute and then I thought jeez maybe it <laughs> maybe it was great but when you were doing it at the time you were just chiseling off the marathons one after the other after the other and when I set out back in 1982 my goal was to do two marathons in the year and I miserably failed I never even got one done and it took me uh, 25 years later to pick up the, the runners again and get them on this time at 51 originally when it was added that was at 25 years of age and at 51 I achieved my first marathon and at 52 I had three marathons done 53 what, I, what was your first marathon I had eight marathons done my first marathon was Dublin in 2007 and I was pretty well trained for that I knew I'd go well to 15 miles. I was well trained. I was into the unknown because I was training myself. And when I crossed the line, I crossed it in three hours and 50 minutes. And it was a brilliant time for your first marathon. Yeah, and the feeling crossing the line was up there with the, one of the best moments of my life. Mm. You know that yourself. It's such a great achievement, your first marathon, isn't yeah. it? It was up there with the best of it. And what year was that in? That was in 2007. And then in 2009 then you were up to eight marathons. 2009 I was up to eight marathons and I was just tipping along. So it, was, it went sort of a sequence, one, three, five, eight. <laughs> and then the next thing I, I had 12 done in, in the year. 12 well, that was pretty early on then because... There seems to be a thing now, you know, there's people running marathons, this doesn't seem to be enough now, or there's a bigger awareness of actually you can do more than one, but there wasn't many back then running 12 marathons in a year. And the difficulty in that time, Robbie, back in 2007 was there wasn't many marathons about. Mm. I had, for me, living in Monaghan, you, were, you had Belfast, you had uh, Dublin, you had Limerick, Cork. And then the west of Ireland were going at that particular time. There was no east of Ireland. There was no aims. So you had to, to head uh, west of the Shannon to get your marathon. Mm. Maybe a three and a half hour drive over to Connemara in the morning. Do your run and then come back again. That's what you had to do. But then as things went on, I started to look at the internet and I discovered that there was marathons available abroad so I made up my mind every year twice a year I would take a short weekend and hop into Europe somewhere and I kept that up even up to this year 
uh, I'm still nipping back and forward to Europe a couple of times a year and kind of got into a habit of seeing nice places. And that's the thing about the marathon. You finish up in interesting places. Mm. You meet interesting people. You see wonderful things that you would never see. And, uh, so tell me, tell me about some of the marathons that you've run in Europe. What, which are some of your favourite marathons over there? Well, there's been, been many favourite ones. I, Amsterdam was the first one in 2008. I didn't know what I was letting myself into. <laughs> and here I was in this city marathon uh, with the continental people all speaking different languages and here I was stuck in the middle of it. I have to say I ran pretty well in Amsterdam. I think I'd done three hours and 31 minutes. Brilliant. Back in those days I could run a wee bit. <laughs> but uh, I went on ahead then and uh, I went to Krakow. I think that was in 2013. And whenever I was there, I, I got onto the computer because the London was just opened up and something was telling me to enter it and I couldn't get entering it. So I went back two or three times and I finally got in and lo and behold I got accepted into London and I went to London then in the October, no sorry, in the, in the April and the London Marathon was an experience that I'll never ever forget. What was it about London? What about London was, I was always watching London on the TV and whenever you're running it, it's a different race because you're going in the opposite direction. And I met a few lifelong friends since from Ireland on, on the run, like the way I met you in Belfast, they'd be coming up on your shoulder because we all had our, it was Monaghan Phoenix or whatever, was on, on the back of your T-shirt. And uh, you were going by all these iconic places, you know, that you just see. And I was coming back into London and I said to this fella, I saw this magnificent building on the left hand side, like a castle and it was full of poppies. And I says, this guy here, say, what is that on the left hand side? And he said, Tower of London, he says. <laughs> wow, such a sight, Robbie, such a sight. And then you came round Westminster and you ran down Horse Guards Parade and you turned at Buckingham Palace and went down the Mall. Like that's the stuff, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and all those legends that went down it and here was this fellow from Monaghan Town going down it as well and uh, lifting his arms as he was crossing the line. It's quite amazing when you're running through the streets of Monaghan, you know, all your wee country lanes, etc. And then you find yourself in a location like that. And you just think to yourself, how did it ever come to this? It's just like a dream. Mm, it's amazing, isn't it? And what started you off running then? What actually started the whole... I was smoking 40 cigarettes when I was 25 years of age. I was living the high life. I was sitting on a stool. Because you were a bit of a party animal back in yeah, the day. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I was living a very, in a very fast, fast lane uh, back in the 80s. So I stopped the cigarettes and I, the carrot that I had to keep me off the cigarettes was to take up running, something that I'd never done before. So I failed at that miserably, but I never went back on the cigarettes afterwards. And I continued my 
party party life up to was about 40 and uh, I, alcohol at the end of the day beat me uh, it wasn't that alcohol beat me but I just I couldn't live with uh, I couldn't live with the side effects that were associated yeah. to it and I had to stop so here I was at 40 years of age totally washed up life meant nothing I was in no man's land so I had to fill the void or else go under and I started to play golf and I was pretty good at the golf whenever I was growing up at 17 to about 21 I had my handicap down to four and was going in the right direction and then as I started to pick up the glass and the handicap went in the opposite direction and I talked a good game of golf for a long time but that was it a one nothing but after 40 years of age, I put in all the practice that I should have been doing in my 20s. And I started to win everything around me. And uh, I ran that circuit for seven or eight years, won everything. And then I thought to myself, am I going to do this again? The amount of hard work and everything. Mm. Little did I realise that I was jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> and at 51 years, of age I found running and running took up as much time if not more than what the golf did but I had the sail of my ship put in a different direction and it was the doctor actually told me because I was in a job I was driving buses and I got the wee beer belly on me and my weight was rising from 12 I was normally always 12 stone and it went up to 14 stone almost and the doctor said to me get the belly off and he suggested to walk and I tried it for a couple of weeks and I never was as bored in all my life <laughs> so when nobody was looking Robbie I thought right let's put a wee jog in here and in my clothes and all that no shoes no nothing I'd do maybe a hundred yards and here wasn't out of breath and then I realised to myself that not alone was I getting fat, I wasn't fit. So the next thing was to try and work on the fitness. And there's a loop around my house there of three and a half miles. And I walked it and jogged it. I had no plan or anything. But after three weeks, I got back round to my lane here. And within yards coming off the, off the lane, I remember lifting my two hands up in the air like Eamon Coughlin coming round the final bend in the 5,000 metres. Yes, Dublin's on. Brilliant. And that was in January of 2007. That's brilliant. And that started me on an incredible journey mm -hmm. to here today. Quite amazing. Like, so when you're going for the walk there and you, you thought, maybe I'll go for a little jog, you have no idea where that's going to take you. I never realised where that was taking yeah. me. The thing about running, there really is no end to it. So you've talked about golf and you achieved a lot through the golf and you put a lot of hard work and you know to maintain that effort to get the same as what you've just done really isn't it but we're running it doesn't really stop you can take it as far as you want or as long as you want and it just has it's so diverse you know what I mean it's you know you've got your 5k 10k marathons ultras and all different people in all different countries high numbers it's just so it's such a big field to be into and you can take it whatever direction you want um, going through your 200 marathons then is there any that really stand out in your mind like you know 
if you were to do one of them again, if you had a choice just to do one? It would be my first one. Be your first one, Dublin? Yeah. I would run it a wee bit smarter. <laughs> Are you going and your plan is to go back to Dublin this year, is that right? My plan, Robbie, is to finish up in Dublin. To finish up in Dublin? In 2018. Brilliant. So that's this year? Because I'm 62 at the moment, I'll be 63 at Christmas time. And I like to give it my best shot. And last year I've done 47 marathons and there was a few from there that I was starting to labour an awful lot and my times were going in the wrong direction. And for me, I, I suppose probably there would be an element of perfection in me to a certain degree. And unless I was giving it my best shot, uh, I would back off it. I have reached the heights where I wanted to reach. How long is a piece of string? Uh, I have other things going on in my life as well. Marathon running, to maintain that level, like the golf at a high standard, you have to put the work in. Mm -hmm. And I'm at a point now where I'm giving it one more good shot. And the last time I put an effort in like this was in 2012. I'd like to say that I'd go out in Dublin on a good note. Yeah. Now, I have to do it yet, but that's the plan. <laughs> Are you just focusing on Dublin this year then? You've got your 200 marathons in the bag. I have a couple of other... I have a marathon in Bucharest I, about fortnight before Dublin, and it'll be more or less a sightseeing tour of Bucharest. We'll have our own marathon here in Monaghan, in September, I've always run it, and I'll run it, run, run it this year as well, uh, as part of my training program for, for Dublin as my last long run. Well, I suppose Bucharest will be my last long run. And, uh, mm. and you, like you seem to be all in from the story you've just told me there. So in your party days, you're just all in, and then in golf, you're all in. And then we're running, you're all in. That seems to be my, part of my makeup, Robbie. Yeah. It's all duck or no dinner with me. And there's one thing that I am very, very grateful for in my life. I never got introduced to drugs. Mm. You, you could have been, a, I would imagine if you had have been, you'd have been this mad famous oh, rock star. <laughs> there's no doubt about it because I've done a, quite a bit of research into myself. Uh, after I stopped drinking alcohol and what was making me drink and I discovered what was making me drink was low self-esteem and inferiority complex because there was mental illness in our house back in the 60s mm. and my mother unfortunately suffered with that up until her day and day because the treatment was completely different then than what it is now and the shame and the stigma and all of that that went along with it mm. rubbed off on myself and my three sisters. I, we didn't know what was wrong with us, but it was the effects of that had on our lives as children, and we grew up with it. And alcohol was the only thing that could relieve mm. those symptoms. And I could be whoever I wanted to be, but that was an illusion. Yeah. It took me, in, took me into the gutter with it. Because what has running done for you from that perspective? Because I seen a post on Facebook the other day, I sort of, 
not laughed at it, but it was about um, doctors have prescribed park run for mental health. And I was like, who knew? Do you know what I mean? Like, all runners know that. How it, um, you talk about self-esteem and mental health issues and how it actually gives you that sense of community and it sort of builds your self-esteem. There's nothing better than actually being in that running scene. Have you felt that yourself then coming through that, that it's really given you that sense of community and brought the, back self-esteem? There'd be no doubt about it, Robbie. I would reckon that everybody suffers from depression of some mm. form. Most people all suffer from male forms of depression and one thing or another, but whatever it is about the running, it releases natural antidepressants into your body. Hence, that whenever you finish either a good run or a marathon, that feeling of elation is the adrenaline running through your body. And yeah. you, you are on top of the world again. And running gives that to you. I've had two, possibly three of the best highs I ever had in my life through running. Lasted for hours. And I never got that after the day I took my first drink. I got my first drink and I went, wow, this is it, for about maybe an hour and then it went all downhill after that. But not with the running. The running gives you that good feel good factor mm. and everybody gets it. And doctors now, as you say, are honing in on the fact for mental health and everything. Uh, you couldn't be you couldn't give yourself a better present than give yourself running. Tough and all as it may seem while you're running, you're saying, what in the name of God am I doing here? And I can't do this, and I can't, and I can't. But when you have it done, there's no feeling like it. Yeah, I, I love when I go, even taking photographs at a race, because I love observing people. And at the start of the race, you just see all these nerves, and all these, you know. And then straight after the race, it is just like this erupts eruption of noise of people chattering yeah. and the adrenaline that they've all got and they're all buzzing and talking to each other and I try, try and tell people see if you don't run actually just go to a race and just go to a finish line and watch and even ask if you could hand out the medals mm. and the buzz that you'll get from that do you know what I mean it's if, I don't think you'd find it anywhere else to be honest there's no doubt about that you know so how, how do you find that it's sort of shaped or defined you as a person now? It has made me Robbie as a person. I, I have a lot of flaws. Uh, there's no, no doubt about that. I, I don't try to be perfect or anything like that. But what I have got from running, I was always a taker in life. What can I, what's in this for me? But over this past uh, three or four years, I'm more or less saying, what's, this is what's mm. in it for you. And I'll show you how to do this. You know, and I'll help people today and try and get them on the running track or get them on the road or... Just like giving back now. This is giving back. And the amount that I'm getting out of this, Robbie, not from a monetary point mm. of view, money wouldn't buy this. It's for personal satisfaction. And as you say about, even though you're not running yourself and you go to the line at the finish and see those people's faces the people who say to you i can't do this mm. i can't and maybe even shout at you i can't and yet they do it and you see the expression on their face 
Mm. One can't buy that rubbish. Yeah, and it's not taught to us in school, you know, and everybody's got this inside them. Yeah. And I found myself very lucky to come across Ron. I started running when I was 35, because you start tapping into that. You can go, some people go their whole lives and never actually realise their worth and what they've got inside. But I think running really does bring people out of themselves. It's no limits, because the old thing was that after you hit 35, this going back, say, maybe 40 years ago, in any sort of sport at all, you were finished. Mm. But this is rewriting history books, and there was you starting at 35. I honed into it again at 51. There's several people honing into it at 60, 70 years of age. Like, there's no limits to this. And people's outlook in life, the older they're getting now, is more changed. Uh, it used to be that whenever you hit the 40 mark, you were old, you were done, you were finished. So you started to dress accordingly. You started <laughs> to act accordingly. And then all of a sudden, you were old. Because That's you it. had it made up in your own mind. But in my mind today, I'm fit for anything. <laughs> so I am. You know, there's yeah. no limit to my thinking what I can't do. Because you, you become what you think you are. Correct. It's really as simple as that, isn't it? Correct. And running sort of, it gives you identity. It makes you understand what you're actually worth. Do you know what I mean? So it just changes. And you talked about self-esteem earlier. Um, it just makes you feel so good. And it doesn't matter whether you're the last person in a 5K. I see some of the people that are at the very back when they come across the finish line and just what it actually means to them. And I, I have so many good friends that I wouldn't have only four running. That's right. Of all shapes, sizes, ages. You know, there's a real sense of community that comes from that. And I know I do the inspirational runner, but I see that inspirational runner in every single person on the course. The person who's coming in last towards the back of the field may think that they're not doing anything but they're inspiring the person who's mm. sitting on the couch saying wow look what he or she is doing yeah, maybe i might try that too but they haven't reached that point yet to see how far down the line mm. that uh, they actually are the important thing is to be on the pitch yeah. and that's what they are they're on the pitch we're all playing different roles we all can't be winners yeah so we can't can you think of anybody, there's a lot of inspiring people that you've met now, and can you think of anybody that really sticks out in your mind? I would be very unfair to, <laughs> single, out to single out anybody, because mm. every person that I know, uh, they're all doing remarkable things, you know, even though maybe... So talking about remarkable things then, you ran 200 marathons, but you didn't... The way you collected that number up, um, one thing keeps on coming up on the podcast all the time is the Donegal quads. So you've done that more than once, actually. Done that twice. So you've done it twice. Yeah. So you're glad for punishment. It'd be fair to say. <laughs> I. I it took me a number of years before I reached that level. I'm at a level where I don't want to go on beyond the marathon distances. So tell tell me about the quads. So I'm really, I'm yes. really intrigued about that. This is what I was leading on to. I, was, I kind of lost my train of thought. So it took me a period of years to get to that point where I was going to do back-to-backs. 
uh, I got my back to backs done and then this challenge arose, beg your pardon, of the quad and a friend of mine was sitting in this house one day, he says to me, he says, that is the dream race and I thought he was mad. <laughs> And he done it and he said the experience of it was unreal. He says, day one, you get through it. Day two, you get through that as well. Day three, you start to uh, question yourself. And day four, you don't want to go. But you still do. And he says, the feeling that you get whenever you cross that line is something else. So I tried it and he was correct and right. Day four, I didn't even want to get out of bed. So How was your body feeling? My body was feeling very, very sore, and at mile five, I was questioning myself. <clears throat> at mile six, I was ready to stop, and the fellow running beside me says, come on ahead for another mile, and do what you want after that. And at mile seven, I thawed out, and here I was back in the rhythm again, and I sprinted the last couple of miles into Green Council. It's quite amazing that, isn't it? I couldn't believe it. My fastest time of the whole lot. That's unbelievable, isn't yeah. it? You would never, and it seems to be the thing, you, you never really know what you're capable of, of doing. And quite a lot of it, your mind's holding you back as well. And the amount of people I've heard talk about it and said, you know, the last few miles was the fastest, or the last marathon was the couldn't fastest. Couldn't believe it, Robbie, couldn't mm. believe it. There's a real sense of community with that, isn't it? Because everybody's sort of going through that experience and together. The year that I don't, I think it was 2014 was the first time. And we're talking about the class of 2014 because it was like a school class where we're all friends. We're all in the one environment together. We met every morning. We met after the race. We'll probably meet maybe in Mobile later on that night. Uh, some of us and it was a whole community sort of a thing for about three days we were on the bus together and, uh, you'd find that hard to get wouldn't you elsewhere you don't get it so what, what made you go back again was it that sense of community was it that what was it no I, I, I can't really say Robbie I think it was more to uh, clock up the marathons in 2016 because I could see 200 in the distance starting to emerge out of the darkness <laughs> and I wanted to rack up the numbers I knew I had it done before and I knew what was in front of me and uh, four marathons and then I was after coming back from doing uh, two marathons in Donegal and I also threw in the Longford Marathon as well so I had seven marathons done in the space of a few days altogether. And it was in good, it was in good shape while it wasn't. So you hadn't, you hadn't read the rule book then, because you only meant to run no, one marathon a year. Like. It, it went out the window. <laughs> My doctor, whenever I told him that it was starting to run marathons, he says, you want to be very careful. He says, I wouldn't do that too often. He doesn't know I did 47 last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you look as healthy as can be as well. Yeah. You've got great colour, you look, like you don't look your age or anywhere near it. Well, thanks very much, but uh, there's no doubt about it. You can tell a person who's fit from a person who's unfit. You can see them tightening up, their bodies tightening up, their complexion changing, lovely, healthy colour. Yeah. They're inclined to look after themselves a wee bit more. And then you talked about, um, so doing marathons wasn't enough, so you decided, like you're travelling all over doing these marathons, so you decided to bring a marathon here to Monaghan. 
It was was in my head from 1982 (laughs) to get a marathon to Manon. And it it lay dormant and dormant for years. And then whenever I was out and about, there was marathons hopping up here, there and everywhere. And this thing came back into my head again, uh, the marathon for Manon. And I met Frank McDermott of the East of Ireland one day. And Frank says, why do you not do it? I says, Frank, I couldn't do it. He says, why could you not? He says, we'd give you a hand, give you a few ideas. So I spoke to a local fella here, Allo Grew, from the Monaghan Phoenix Club. And I says, Allo, I have a mad idea in the head. What do you think of it? He says, that's not so bad. But he says, the amount of work who put this thing together, he says, would be unreal. I says, no, it's the most simple thing in the world. Now, I was winging it at this stage, but it was stealing ideas from the likes of East of Ireland and uh, the Marathon Club of Ireland and the West of Ireland. I was stealing ideas of how they were doing it. They were running it out of the back of a van. They were doing it in loops. They had arrows the arrows on the roads and I thought yeah we can do this here in Monaghan if we have one loop and repeat it and we'll have a water stop halfway and another water stop at the finish so with two water stops on the route so Allo was sold on that we brought in Monaghan Phoenix into it they Is were that the local running club, yeah, Monaghan Phoenix? Yeah, they were a wee, wee bit sceptical about it as well. And when they heard the plan, they couldn't believe how simple it was to run it. So we started as a pilot project in 2014. And we attracted 123 runners to Monaghan. And, uh, That's quite a good number then for the first marathon. Yeah, and the interesting thing about it was the community here got behind us as well. And the council were very interested because we were using the facilities of Rossmoor Forest Park and they helped us as well. They went away and they cleaned up the paths for us, restoned them and everything and a great interest now has taken place in Rossmoor itself. I'm not saying because of the marathon but it's the place has been revived. It's helped it has helped it and the paths are nice and loads of people now are going out walking and the park run is on in the place. So it has done good for the community as well and we have grown it now so this is our fifth year at it. And it's a marathon festival now, it's on over three days. Yeah, so a marathon wasn't enough, so now you're doing a marathon festival. This is back to my yeah. uh, make up again. <laughs> it's all duck or no dinner. Yeah. And we have introduced now from a mini marathon of 10k the full way up to a triple marathon. We're not at the quad yet, but it was told it'd be kicked out of the club <laughs> if I was to mention that. So I think I'm doing very, very yeah. well. So six there's, there's three marathons in three days and the 10k. Two marathons in two days. Two marathons, two days, the marathon obviously in one day. A is, single. Is there, one, is there one day which you're doing the which is actual marathon day, is that the first day? No, it's the last day, That's the last it's the day. single. And it's, what date is that on? It's on the 30th of September. 30th of September, and I heard a lot of good reviews about it. Um, I know a few people done it, Jared Boyle, Natalie, uh, Bobanks, etc. And 
it's definitely one that should be on the bucket list from they've, what I hear. They've all been here. Yeah, so, so and they always have, it's, a, it's such a friendly marathon event. It's, so but the way we look at it, Robbie, is like this. If you have no runners, you have no marathon. So you look after your runner mm. and the marathon will look after itself. Brilliant. And have you run it yourself? I have run it myself, but I wouldn't be running it on the main day. I'd be running it maybe on the back-to-back or the charity day as well. We'll have a charity marathon as well, which makes up the ba- the triple where we give back mm. uh, some money into the community as well to a local cause. So you've done a lot for charity as well. You did have one big charity event. Um, the first the first one I had was for Alan Doherty in Donegal. Mm. We had an awful lot of money for him in 2007, but the environment was completely different then. Uh, it was just before the crash. And you went to companies and that, and they were very, very generous. There was a considerable amount of money raised for that, wasn't it? <clears throat> they were looking for over a million uh, to take them over to America. For any of you who don't know, Alan was born without a chin. Very, very rare complaint. He was a young fella. He had operations after operations, and he needed this big operation in America that was going to cost an awful lot of money. And when I saw the fella, he had the heart of a lion, I said, I'm going to do something for you here. So I made contact with them and we got the thing on the road. For doing charity work in that, it's something that I wouldn't do too often because you can only hit the mm. same amount of people the once. What we do now is, instead of me going round the thing, we, we take a percentage of the money that we raise out of the marathon weekend and we allocate that to charity. We don't go knocking on people's doors anymore. Yeah. Very, very hard thing. And there's that many people raising money now. It is very difficult. Yeah. It's, a, it's a challenging business for the charities, you know. But um, sport does bring an awful lot to the charities. It's another good accolade that it has. It is. Um, so, so you might look for charity from a fundraising point of view, but you've become a very charitable person with your time. And you're wearing a t-shirt today called the, the Joggernauts. The Juggernauts. Joggernauts. The Juggernauts. Joggers who are nutters. And they're all over 50 years of age. So you've formed a group now of people that are over 50 in Monaghan, is that right? There's a running group. I was running along the Greenway here at home one day and I met a good friend of mine coming walking a dog slowly. I don't know who was walking who, whether the dog was walking him or he was walking the dog. And for some unknown reason I stopped and I asked him, why not come along with me someday for a jog? And his first reply was, I can't do that. And I said, why not? Uh, I'm too old for that and I'm too, too much. So after a couple of minutes, I had him talked around to meeting me the following Sunday at the local GAA club and we would go for a short jog along the Greenway. So for some unknown reason I went home straight onto the internet as, as most people know I like to be on the internet uh, promoting something or <laughs> doing something uh, getting involved in something getting involved in something and I stuck it on the Facebook anyone over 50 years of age 
and I emphasise the word over 50 years of age, interested in jogging and improving their mental and physical health, join us at 9 o'clock on Sunday, such and such a date. It was April 2017. And nine turned up. So the two went to nine just overnight, and off we went. And I got those people into 100 yards at a time. We'd done five or six of those, and they couldn't believe how unfit they were too. And they chipped away, and they chipped away at it. And of those nine, eight of them are still there. So last Christmas, there was other people seeing what we were doing. And as we were saying earlier about the people who think that they're not doing anything, we were inspiring other people because I had it on Facebook there every week. <clears throat> and people were looking at this. And they were saying, well, maybe I could try that too. So I formed another little group then in January of this year. Anyone interested again, we're starting a new class. And this time, up to 40 turned up. Wow. I think it was 37 or 8. All over 50? All over 50. That's unbelievable. People from my own town who I knew a lifetime and didn't know a thing about them. It would be, hello, John, or hello, Tom, and that would be as far as it went. And now we're saying, if we ever meet, have you been running lately? That's the first, <laughs> the first chat and we've run miles together. So I made up my mind that I was going to make sure that every Sunday morning that we were there, no matter how bad the weather was, I'd still turn up. And in the worst of the weather, and the worst it got, the more of them turned up for some unknown reason. It was unreal. And even there this morning, Robbie, it was very, very bad out of the park run. And we were there in numbers. And these are people who you, you think would be sitting at the fire, throwing on another stick or whatever it was. But no, they were out in the worst of it. And they stuck it out. And here now, all of a sudden, we have eight of those people are going to do the Dublin Marathon with me in October. I have several up to half marathon. I have the majority of them now are up to 10k and the remainder who whose limits are only 5k they're up to that as well and what we do is we don't force anybody to do anything that they don't want to do for instance one chap we have i didn't even think it appeared so he appeared anyhow and i got him jogging and i said vincent say maybe you might try a half marathon no way he says four miles that guy's going to do the dublin marathon that's brilliant and he and this group that none of them have already run us before at all i very very few i have run since school so what do you think they've got out of joining the group or what they're getting out of joining the group well we, we had no name we were just man in over 50s walk to jog and what they've discovered is that they're all a bunch of nutters. <laughs> and we put it out there, we're going to have to call ourselves something. You know, so we were all joggers. And then we've discovered that we were all nutters. Yet here we're holding prominent possessions and one thing or another. But put a pair of runners on us and we were nuts. 
as well as hence the name Juggernauts. Brilliant, that's excellent. And is eight of them now running the marathon? Eight of them running the marathon. And there's just people that would never have dreamed of doing something like that two years ago. One chap, I Willie, I, the first day I saw him run, he, he actually came and walked the first day, him and the wife. And he says, maybe I might give that a go. And the first day I saw him run, I says, there's a man ready for the Dublin Marathon. And I think I'd given maybe a couple of weeks to settle in. And I said to him, Dublin Marathon for you, Willie. No way, he says, no way. Met him two weeks later, I says, I think the Dublin Marathon's a new Willie. I'll tell you, he says, before the end of March. And at the beginning of March, he was running up the Cathedral Hill one day. And it's quite tough for a new a new runner. And the sweat was hopping off him and he wasn't stopping. And he flew past me and he just shouted, Dublin's on. And, <laughs> and this guy is now up. he done 18 miles there. Wow. Uh, Thursday week last. Done 17 and Thursday past. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, like, so you have a real lust for life. That's quite evident. And I can tell, I'm a great believer in karma and sort of giving people, and you, you do, you get it back tenfold to Ten you. Ten times over, Robbie, it's amazing. I don't look for anything now. I'm not into that what's in it for me mm. anymore. It's what can I give to you because the benefits are far outweighing the what's in it for me. Yeah, and you have, you can tell you've got, especially through the journey that you've been through, you've a real appreciation for people but also appreciation for your environment and the places that you go to. And you obviously love your little town, Monaghan. I love my little town because I always wanted to be anywhere else. And I never realised that this was the place where I wanted to be. That's brilliant. Honestly. Yeah. And did you find that become more true by travelling? Because I, I, with my work, I've sort of travelled all over. The world and when I come back home I always like I look at the more mountains and think to myself like, there's wow. no place like it there's, there's absolutely no place like your local environment whenever you take a look around and actually see what's there because a lot of us go about blind Robbie for years you're living at the Moran Mountains and I bet maybe for years you never even saw yeah. the Moran Mountains well but yet I, I would see the beauty in it other mm -hmm. people would come to Monaghan and they'd see the beauty in it I wouldn't see the beauty in it so I became a tourist in my own town, and that's where I saw the beauty in it. Because you, you were involved in the sort of the Manabite town, is it? There a walk around Monaghan? Yeah, there was. I was off work there for a period of time, and in the middle of the night, whenever I couldn't sleep, I started to do a bit of research about my own town, and I was involved in the setting up of the Monaghan Town Walking Tour, and we. Uh, we have a tour around the town, last about an hour and a half, and we describe the local history to the tourists or even to the locals, and even the local people. There's some things here in the town that they didn't even uh, realise or were aware of. Having things. That so that's what started off walking tours, isn't it? Yeah. Is that still going now? Monaghan town walking tours. Yeah, no, that's going on all summer. That's brilliant. And we've, so we're five tour guides rotate there week in week out and one of them's a runner as well and he powered home there this morning like an express train and it's only a matter of time before he's in the top three yeah he might 
I can have this vision of Monaghan running tours coming up soon. <laughs> Monaghan running tours and say nothing. Yeah. yeah, just a crazy bunch of juggernauts running around the town. Yeah. Um, what's the, after 200 marathons, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you during a marathon? Uh, you've caught me a wee bit cold there, but there, there has been funny things happened all right. Uh, I just can't think of it. Yeah. It'll probably come back. To I, I asked that question thinking actually nothing funny has happened to me in a marathon because it's hard work, the marathon, isn't it? Um, can you think of your your best moment in the marathon then? The best moment in the marathon was the day I was going in the Marion Road and I met Ray O'Connor. Ray O'Connor is a real good runner and I went past him. And he says, where did you come out of? I says, I don't know, Ray, wherever I came out of, since I am 10 minutes up on the PB. Brilliant. And he says, keep going. And uh, I was coming in Nassau Street, and I slowed down a little bit. And if I had realised how close I was to going under, three hours and 20 minutes, I would have kept going. I was afraid of blowing up. But that was 2012. As I told you, that was the year that I trained. I was doing that's a, that's a phenomenal time then. So what time is that you finished? Three twenty. I finished in three hours, twenty minutes and forty four seconds. That's brilliant. What age were you then? I was fifty seven. That is amazing, like, isn't it? Yeah. When you think about it. And fifty six, fifty seven. What one piece of advice would you give to somebody that is thinking about running on but keeping putting it off? Start get out through the door, go for couple of miles just say all I'm doing is going out for a couple of miles and it's surprising when you'll finish up that two miles could be six miles it could be ten miles as long as you don't it's like a hill there don't look at the full hill just look to see where the highest rise is on it and climb that rise first keep it in small chunks so just go out for two miles and see where that two miles eventually and after Dublin then, do you think, have you got sight on what's next or that's just your focus at the minute? No, what's next is I'm coming back in distance. I'm, I'm coming back to half marathons and 10Ks. Just I'm not going to say that I'll never ever do another marathon again, but I won't be doing it to the same intensity as what mm -hmm. I did. I don't. Because you do quite, quite a lot of miles during the week, don't you? Well, I am at the moment, Robbie. So how many miles have you done this week? I've done 70 this week. <laughs> <laughs> so just caught you on a big week then. Like, 70 miles is quite a lot of miles. I'm like. doing anywhere between 50 to 70 miles a week. That's brilliant. And do you find that your body's able to cope with that okay? Getting stronger. You're getting stronger all the time. That's brilliant. Because like, you've all, I can tell you've already got a strong mind. I suppose that's the risk with marathons, isn't it? Is getting put back with injuries and things like that. Is that one of the reasons why you're pulling back in the distance so you can maintain that week? Robbie, I've been very, very fortunate. I've had, apart from the one dose of the shin splints, I haven't really had anything of injuries worth talking about. Now that some people are very unfortunate, but for me, injuries wouldn't be a major concern. If, if I'm not giving it my best, well then, I'm not going on. Yeah. So I'll pull back and I'll do the shorter distances and I'll try them uh, as best as I can do them. I think we can let you do that after running 200, mile, uh, 200 marathons. <laughs> I think you're okay to do that. Like, don't think you need any approval. 
Well, you've been a real credit to yourself and to the community and, and to the people ar around you. And um, I think actually your generosity actually goes before your actual running, which says a lot because your running is where they're running 200 marathons. It's been a real pleasure, Leslie. I really thank you for inviting me into your home today. It was a pleasure Very to welcome, come up Rob. here. And I really enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed it too. Hi, for any of you who don't know, but Robbie's after cycling all the way from Kilkeel. <laughs> It's absolutely lashing out of the heavens here and uh, he's sitting here with a smile on his face and he conducted this interview <laughs> as if he was sitting in a suit. He's a remarkable man and it was a pleasure to meet Robbie. Thanks very much Leslie. Brilliant. Thank you Robbie.